0: Injured at work in a motor vehicle accident or had a fall in a public space? Speak to Your Claim Lawyers, a no-win, no-fee, personal injury claims law firm that specialises in maximising compensation claims for injured people. Call 1-800-YOUR-CLAIM or yourclaimlawyers.com.au On 882 6PR, inspiring stories for Barra and O'Day. Don't miss out on the little moments, because the little things are everything.
1: Hello, my name is Tim McMillan. Welcome to another episode of Inspiring Stories, brought to you by Bower and O'Day. Don't miss out on the little moments, because the little things are everything. Uh, In this uh, episode, we kick off a short series uh, honouring some of the newest inductees into WA's Hall of Champions, the 2020 inductees. And the man we're about to speak to... Uh, is being recognised for his uh, contribution and success in the sport of golf. No one has won more WA Opens uh, than my next guest. And after a promising career across uh, many different sports, including uh, cricket and footy, he eventually turned all of his uh, energies to golf and had great success as an amateur, as a pro, uh, and also on the uh, seniors' uh, professional circuit as well. So it's with great pleasure I say hello, congratulations, and welcome
2: to Terry Gale. Thanks, Tim. How are you going? Yeah, I'm good. It's nice to be here. How are you yeah. hitting them at the moment? Uh, very often. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> way too often. No, I, I, I don't. Uh, uh, I don't play too good these days. But I, no, why as that? my sons keep reminding me, you are seventy-four, <laughs> Dad. What do you expect? So, <laughs> when yeah. you say you're not playing terribly well
1: at the moment, obviously you've got a fairly high benchmark for yourself, given your well, lifetime of achievement. But the um, benchmark. How do you, you know,
2: go? Well. I... It, as an amateur, you know, I mean, in professional golf, obviously handicaps don't matter. So for the bulk of my career, handicaps are, mm. you know, mean nothing. But I did play off plus four. I'm currently playing off seven, and that's sort of to me is quite embarrassing. And <laughs> if I break eighty, I've had a good day, yep. and that really happens. And unfortunately, I opened my big mouth not long ago to Mark's children. <laughs> said, if I don't break 80, I'll buy you all ice creams. Well, now they call me Mr. Whippy. So, <laughs> so uh,
1: what what goes first? You're losing length out of your drives. Yeah. Uh, you, yeah? Is that is that what it is? is? that what causes this score to blow? Well, out? I think sharpness around yeah, the greens. Yeah, well, is obviously, it?
2: as you get older, you, I've lost a lot of length, you know. Yeah. And particularly, look, from 40, uh, when I played senior golf at 50, uh, I probably played some of, you know, I wouldn't say it was my best golf. My best golf was played in my mid-30s, I guess. Yeah. Uh, yeah, mid-30 to 40. But in in on senior, so up until I was about, you know, late 50s, I reckon I hit the ball just as far because well, yep. you got the equipment, but so has everyone else. But into my 60s, uh, you just sort of, every time I play, I seem to be getting shorter. And now in the <laughs> 70s, I told someone the other day that if I hit, if i hit it any shorter i'll be going backwards to play my second shot so. <laughs> and, and
1: as time has gone on and the technology around golf has advanced have you embraced the you know the massive drivers that you now see and the the putters that look like they've been developed by by yeah. nasa have you sort of adopted all that oh, pretty new gear as well yeah pretty no, well yeah
2: pretty well i mean you, do, you you you're silly if you don't yeah you know and it's it's an unfortunate situation really for the game i think because it's just getting you know golf courses are obsolete Mm. uh, you know for these young guys Mm. see the thing tim is most of the golfers today aren't they're not just golfers it's different to when i first started. i was late turning pro uh nearly 30 uh, but most of the golfers today are are not just golfers they're actual athletes yeah they spend as much time or nearly as much time in the gym you know we didn't know how to spell it let alone (laughs) you know uh, no one went to the gym he just played golf
1: would that have put you off it at the time, if it was so much about the, the fitness and the nutrition and the science as well as playing golf? Would it no, appear, I, appeal I don't to you think – I think
2: everything's relative, you know. I mean, it's mm. like, you know, you drive around in the current model cars and back then they drove around. It, it's just relevant, you know, mm. really to – so, yeah, I mean, you would you would have to do it if that's what you wanted to do.
1: Yeah, but you still love getting out there and,
2: you know, smashing a drive down a fairway. It still gives you a buzz. Yeah, I'm or not you'd... sure if I love it, but I, I, I see it. I still like. I guess if you got, if you're a competitor, and I suppose that's always going to stay with you. Yeah. Every time I go, I sort of think, well, I've got to, I'll, I'll break my handy. I'll get down today. Mm. Uh, but I, <laughs> when I go home, my wife says, "No good again today." Whether... <laughs> so the... uh, no, it's all a bit yeah. of fun. I mean, I'm lucky. I mean, I, I'm very fortunate. And I've said this on a number of occasions to actually, you know, because I played a lot of other sports and I love playing sport, and uh, I got the opportunity uh, with a fairly benevolent father who was keen on his sport as well. Because, yep. uh, but, you know, to be able to play sport and make a living out of it, mm-hmm. uh, you know, you're in a very, very it's small special. minority. So, yep. you, know, uh, you know, the the putts you miss on the last hole to win or something like that, but in the overall context, they're mm-hmm. basically a relative. Yeah.
1: Well, you mentioned your upbringing there. Let's go back to where it all began for you in a tiny wheat belt, not even a town, a community uh, mm. northeast of Perth. Uh,
2: yeah. Paint a picture for us. What was it like? Well, I, I grew up in a town called uh, Yallbini. You have to say it a number of times because yeah. you no, know, well, where is that? Where it is? Anyway, well, it's, it's, it's it's just a speck, isn't it? Yeah, yeah. speck. So you know, it's be. I I went to school at training, which was I thought was a big town, just seven miles up the row, or nine from Yallbini. We lived a couple of miles out of Yelbeni on a... My parents had a farm there. Yeah. And it uh, was just a local community. I suppose the reason I'm sitting here talking to you now is, is because of that community and because of the fact that they, you know, in, in the country at that time, we're talking about back in the, you know, in the 60s, there, there weren't the opportunities to, you know, to go to Perth and do all those things. But they had a very good golf, you know, a good country golf course there. There weren't a in lot Yalbani. of people. here yeah, in Yelbeni. Right. and. It was one of the. It was probably the best golf course in in that in that area, and as and also it had the best golfers because I, when I started going along and hitting behind the field because my mum and dad on Sunday afternoons in winter for about three months of the year because you know you had to wait till it rained and the ground was and the grass grew otherwise it's you know it was too hard and too hot uh, so you played sort of through the winter months and that was it yeah uh, but when. Uh, When I started playing, there was probably a a good men's field wouldn't be much, many more than twenty people. Yep. But half of them were on single figures, so it was a very strong golf, golfing body. Yeah. And uh, and your
1: parents both golfers. Yes. My dad
2: was a good player. He taught me how to play. Mm. Uh, He was, I think, he got down to a four handicap. You know, of his lowest mark. My Mm. mum, mum, my mum played, but she she wasn't such a good player, but Mm. she knew the rules. got one the funny, one funny incident i went over there one day after school and she took me over and and uh, to to play because i was getting pretty keen on it and and uh, and we hit off a it was a 10th hole in fact but in, in country courses the fairways are, you know there's a rough air and then yeah. they're, they're marked by a tine mm. goes around so if you're inside that and on the fairway you can have a preferred lie mm. anyway i topped my drive uh, on the 10th hole and, and it went straight but didn't get didn't reach the fairway so i i uh wasn't thinking and i moved it onto a good line she says that's a two-shot penalty <laughs> so, no you're not on the fairway and i quickly moved back and she said and that's two more <laughs> so, so she I, slugged you forward she, I think she was wrong about the rule which she slugged me <laughs> for. So suddenly I've hit it once, and I'm playing my fifth. So I wasn't too happy. But, uh, no, she played, but, but it yeah. was a strong it was a strong community, and yeah. they had a rule there where you know kids were hitting around, and obviously I I suppose there was no junior golf, but they yeah. made a rule that if you could break 115 three times, you could play with the men. Yeah, um, right. So that's how I I started. How old were you when you? Well, I think started? I was 12, 11 or 12. When, yeah. Um, or sure. it was just before my birthday. I think I think I was just before my 12th birthday.
1: Yeah. So where did the competitive instinct come in? Did you have that? I mean, it sounds like your mum was
2: <laughs>
1: pretty pretty yeah, strict or, to the rules, but that no, yeah. that drive to, you know, do better next round, where did that come from?
2: Oh, probably from a bit from both. My father mm. was a pretty determined person. You mm-hmm. know, he was known as Bert, Gail, old Bert, and they said if you ever wanted anything done in the district, go and see Bert, he'd organise it. But, yeah. Uh, you know he was he was he made he said his piece so maybe it came from that yeah. But my, on the sporting side, my mother had she came from a, a family a, a large family. She was number thirteen in the family, yeah. And they had a lot of her brothers and that but from Kalgoorlie. They were pretty good athletes, yeah. and footballers.
1: Uh, golf aside, uh, life on a farm in the wheat yeah. belt you know, where you, your existence is so tied to, to the weather and grain yeah. prices and all that sort of stuff. What what was that like?
2: Yeah, well, for those people, that, farmers that are out there and those that know me listening, they'll probably say I wouldn't have a clue because... <laughs> <laughs> you didn't lift a finger. <laughs> no, I, I went back on the farm for a couple of years after I left boarding school at Scotch. Yeah. And uh, but then I, you know, I was got selected in... in uh, I was already playing grade cricket... And, you know, I was in the state squad in cricket and then, then in, I got into the state junior team in 1966 and later in the year the state senior side. And so, as I said earlier, I think my father was uh, very, you know, kind to me and let me mm. drive up and down so I was there. So, I, you know, I, the farming life, it was good. I mean, you... It, I think there were so many more around. It was easier to enjoy it. There was, mm. you, I mean, now there's not a golf club at Yellbini training kind of open anywhere. There's not a football team. Mm. They all had them there once. I mean, mm. I grew up starting barracking for South Three because Yellbini were red and white, mm. and all I wanted to do was play for them. And there were some friends there, and they were playing Claremont this day. Obviously not on TV, but on the radio. I said, "What colour of Claremont?" And they mm. told me, and I said, "What colour of South Three And I said, and they said, "Red and white." I said, "Oh, well, I'm barracking for them." That's so bizarre. that was a long. Yeah. yeah. So yeah, but there was lots of lots of uh, things to do, in, because there was more people and, and people didn't travel so. Yeah, much.
1: had a a genuine community there. Mm. Yeah, uh, Terry, we need to take a break, but after that, uh, your years uh, as a, a a youngster, a teenager, where you showed some real promise uh, in cricket and footy and golf, uh, and uh, I want to talk to you about uh, that right after we take a break. This is inspiring stories. Terry Gale is our special guest. We'll be back with more in a moment.
0: You're listening to another inspiring story brought to you by Barra and O'Day, because the little things are everything. This is Inspiring Stories with Tim McMillan on 882 6PR, brought to you by Barra and O'Day, because the little things are everything.
1: Welcome back to Inspiring Stories. We are speaking to Terry Gale, uh, golfer. And uh, one of the new inductees into the WA Hall of Champions, uh, Terry. As a, a youngster, as we've already touched on, uh, cricket and footy were also great passions of yours, and you were very good at them. Um, how did you manage to pursue that when you're living in this tiny speck on the map in the in the wheat belt? That must have been a lot of a lot of miles in the car for your mum and dad, I imagine.
2: Um. Yeah, all my neighbours. I, mean, I had a good uh, yep. neighbours next door, and it was a good footballer, John McCormack. I travelled with him a bit. He was older, but he was old enough to drive, obviously. So, you know, I'd go to places like Ben Covenant, and Muck and Boudin, and those places to play. But there was no, there weren't enough to have junior sport. So you, you sort of, uh, you sort of grew up fairly quickly. I mean, if you wanted to play uh, and you're allowed to play, mm. I couldn't believe it. I played in the the training men's football team, and I was. Fourteen, and I, my mother didn't want me to play. I, I couldn't understand why, but anyway, I, now I've got grandkids. I, <laughs> yeah, now uh, you kids understand and I sort of thing. <laughs> I, you know, especially the way they play now, it's a lot yeah. harder. And you know, bang. Yeah. So yeah, and and cricket was the same. You know, I can remember as a just as a probably a seven or eight year old when they're short fielding in cricket. You know, you didn't bat or anything like that. But yeah, you know, you, yeah. They all yeah. had teams. But yeah, hockey was the same. I didn't play hockey, but there was they were the sports then there was no swimming pools yep you know at that particular time they soon, they came soon after mm. and there was more there was more a community spirit around it mm. and people got i mean in winter you played well, football hockey or or golf mm. and in summer you played cricket or tennis
1: mm. Mm. yep the stock that standards was that was it yep yeah. as a teenager you did make the move down to to perth to attend boarding school at scotch what yep. sort of a culture shock was that for you
2: Oh no, it was good. I mean, I was a bit older, I suppose. I didn't, yeah. I was, you know, I, was, I went in in uh, what they call now year eleven. So I was fifteen when I first went there. Yeah, yeah. And uh, how'd you find yeah. that? Yeah, it was great. I enjoyed yeah. it. It was the best three years of my life, I think. So yeah, it was good. Yeah, I did an extra year there at the end, uh, which the schools were encouraging because the headmaster at the time sort of thought, well, you're a bit young to, go to maybe young to go to university, so he's encouraging him to stay back, but the ones he encouraged the most seem to be the better sportsmen. <laughs> that, that didn't last too that long. That figures. Yeah.
1: And, you know, the the competitiveness uh, within that school group, the PSA group, it's it's a great place yeah. if you are a gift to that sport yeah. uh, to really indulge that passion,
2: isn't it? it oh, it is. It is. I mean, in fact, last week I spent a few days with some friends down, mates down south playing a few couple of golf courses. And one of them... Um, and uh, i'm hope hope i'll make sure he listens to this interview i hated him at school (laughs) his name's colin langer the father yeah right yeah so we were hammer and tongs and and with malcolm brown on my side it was always easy for me to give a bit more lip yeah yeah but uh yeah and a great competitor and and we're you know we weren't up until about 10 years ago i mean you go different ways yeah but uh it's, You've been able to put the pass... I found out, I found out I like that he you. actually is a good bloke. <laughs> yeah, it just took you a little while to get there. <laughs>
1: yeah, no, very good. Um, let's talk about your your younger cricket days. Because, mm-hmm. um, you know, you grew up at a time when, you know, some of the absolute legends of WA sport, let alone WA cricket, uh, were in the sorts of teams that you were in. In fact, mm-hmm. uh, at one point you were captaining a, a Colts side that had uh, the names uh, Marsh, uh, Lily, Yardley, uh, Massey... Muleman, uh, also on the sheet. Um, that's some pretty good company. Are you yeah, still in touch a... with with any of these? Oh guys? yeah, yeah.
2: I still see a, a few of them. I'm not as much, though, because I mean, obviously, m- my golf took me overseas yeah. so much. So, and you know, as you get older, you don't. But I, yeah, you know, from time to time, yeah, I see them. Yeah. I mean, I played at the Perth Cricket Club, uh, where Dennis started as well. He came down as a young fella, and in yeah. fact, one in his early years, I was I captained the. The uh, first grade side there one year, and he was there. So yeah, I was responsible for putting him in and out, <laughs> for on and, and off,
1: terrorising. Yeah. <laughs> he was batsman all around yeah, the world. What yeah. was he? What was he like as a as a youngster? Give us some give us some dirt on
2: Dennis, on a on a young tearaway Dennis. Come on. Uh, well, he was. <laughs> 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 no, nah, look, he he was he was ahead of his time without yeah. doubt. He had a grandfather there, I think, on his mother's side. Yeah. he used to come down, and you know grade training in those days well you didn't really have a coach some some of them might have but we didn't one Mm. year they got gordon becker over there and he was sort of the as mainly to play but Mm. so if you were captain of the first grade side you basically you know you get someone there to do the timing for batsmen and that but yeah but if you weren't batting or bowling they'd be just sitting around talking yeah someone would make out having a few catches but dennis you know Eighty degrees, ninety degrees. He'd be running around the oval and doing these sprints. Yeah, and his his grandfather, I think, I think he had a boxing background. Yeah, he, was, he yeah. Grew, and we all thought he was mad, but he yeah. wasn't so mad, was he? Uh,
1: wow. just mad enough. Yeah. He certainly had that. Oh, no, that he the, had the, he the killer had, instinct yeah, in him, he did, didn't he? Yeah. 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 Was he terrifying to face in the nets even as a he was in the nets, a youngster?
2: To, well, he was, particularly if you're in the middle net and you didn't, you know, all you you only had the basics on. You didn't have helmets or anything. And no fast bowler yet has ever bowled from the line. They're always a couple, Mm. a metre or so over it. And if you've got someone someone hooking into your face in the right net and someone square cutting into your backside on the other one and (laughs) Lily running in, it was, yeah, it was quite.
1: (laughs) Like a punch. But I, I will
2: tell you a funny story about Dennis because, well, it wasn't a funny story at the time. But after about 10 years there and we were living, I think, in woodlands and golf had sort of, Pretty well taken over as the main sport then yeah. after being in the squad, and but I still enjoyed playing first grade cricket. But I decided I didn't want to be driving out to Fletcher Park all the way from there, and so I, I I went and played my last two seasons with Derek Derek Chadwick at uh, at Scarborough, who was captain. And even though I I, I got to be twelfth man for the Shield side, but I didn't ever travel with them. But yeah. apparently Lily and Chadwick were sort of roommates and got mm. on well, so. I don't know if you've heard but they used to if you had a state player involved and we we did they had robbie langer playing for scarborough and used to play over two weekends so they'd make an early toss so you know whether you could you know you could play or not and so it was a gentleman's agreement so they did anyway chatty rang dennis up and said i want to toss we got robbie langer in and dennis refused to toss chatty thought he was joking so anyway he found out he wasn't and they had words on the phone and so in the finish, Robbie couldn't play. He wouldn't do it. So there was a bit of animosity when we started. We bowled. We batted first. And Chaddy opened the batting and I was number three. Anyway, and it was the year that Dennis was injured. Yep. And uh, he, he'd only just started to bowl again. He made a lot of runs that year. And I think he won their batting average. And he was captaining the side. And he was running off about five metres. And anyway, he got Chaddy out in about the fourth over. and I, I don't know how. And he was walking off the ground. I'm putting my gloves on to go out. And next thing, I see him going back with a bat above his head, a bit like the me and dad thing And Lily. Yeah. And, and anyway, Lily, because he doesn't take a backward step, he's coming straight at him. I thought, oh, my God. What's Anyway, words were exchanged. Nothing else happened. And, Chattie, yeah. and as, as I passed, Chaddy, I said, thanks very much. Because I could see Dennis stepping out his long run. <laughs> my first game against my home that I played for for years and yeah. been captain of the side and now I've got Lily running into the yeah, ball. And of course, steaming in. And there's a fair bit of chatter going on around, you know, some <laughs> bloke at silly square leg telling me not to stand on, on me and, yeah. uh, as I backed off. <laughs> anyway, the first, I got eight runs while I was there because the yeah. first two balls, were, as you can predict, over my head, over the keeper's head, four <laughs> buys <balls>. eight byes. <balls. laughs> and the third one I didn't see. Yeah. Knocked me, knocked me off stump, out of the ground. There you so. go.
1: Look, there's no shame in getting uh no. cleaned up by. So Dennis at least Lillian. I can
2: That's say awesome. I got out officially to Dennis Little. Exactly.
1: Yeah, exactly. So you mentioned there that golf had started to yeah. take centre stage for you. Was it hard to to make that call to decide to you know to pursue golf at the expense of the other sports that you're also so keen on?
2: Uh, probably. You know, I mean, if if I had my choice, I probably would have. I would have you know, looking back on it now it wouldn't have been a wise decision because – but I probably would have preferred to play cricket. Right. So I like the team sports and I enjoyed yeah. that.
1: Yeah. yeah, They are so different, yeah. aren't they? Yeah, they are. I mean, there's yeah. still hand-eye coordination, yeah. but at least yeah. golf the ball still.
2: <laughs> yeah, I, enjoyed, I enjoyed I mean, I enjoyed golf, but I think I had a lot of enjoyment out of in the competitiveness of cricket. And, yeah. Uh, and But gradually, I mean, I was – I got selected in, as I mentioned earlier, in the state senior side, junior side and senior side in mm. – 1966 and so now you sort of you have to sort of weigh it up and say well I'm already I'm in the stateside Then the next year it was played in Perth the golf and we had Norman Von Neider one of the legends of Australian golf he, he came over and coached us mm. and I spent a lot of, <coughs> excuse me I spent a lot of time with him and so it just sort of went on from there but as the years went on and then a couple of years later I got picked in the Australian amateur golf team so there, there's another step away from cricket basically
1: yeah so, yeah yeah so it just, it, it happened. Yeah. It but you know, the,
2: in 74, I was lucky enough to win the Australian amateur golf championship at Royal Hobart. And the next week, the very next week, that was on a Sunday. And the next Saturday I was at Abbott Park playing grade cricket. So I hadn't, I hadn't given it. <laughs> you away were still yet. mixing it up, yeah. but that yeah. was my last year.
1: Yeah. Okay. Um, We need to take another break, Terry, but after that, yeah, we'll get right into your golfing career, uh, including your record number of uh, WA Opens and some of the other successes you've had uh, in Australia and around the world. Terry Gale is our special guest. This is Inspiring Stories, back with more
0: soon. You're listening to another inspiring story brought to you by Barra and O'Day. Because the little things are everything. This is Inspiring Stories with Tim McMillan on 882 6 br Brought to you by Barra and O'Day. Because the little things are everything.
1: Welcome back to Inspiring Stories. We are hearing the story of golfing legend Terry Gale. Uh, Terry, we've barely uh, touched yet on your golfing successes. Um, I mentioned at the start a record number of, of WA uh, championships, six of them, if I'm not mistaken, in total. Um, I know that it took you a Long time to become professional, you were just almost 30, right? I was, yeah. yeah. W- was that late at the time, or was it feeling normal to stay amateur? No, no, that while? was late, very yeah. late. You know, what so was that?
2: It, it was very it was late then, but extremely late now, mm. you know? yeah. Uh, yeah, oh, the reason was I guess I went back on the farm and then I got in these teams, but I was probably cricket was the main reason because I was yeah. playing cricket and I was in the squad and I was, you know, sort of on the borderline there of getting in there and so you know and it was back in the time when you could sort of play two sports you know it was barely but sort of there was a lot of you know Keith Slater young and a lot of boys were playing both sports yeah which doesn't happen anymore
1: yeah um you had great success in the the tour of Australasia uh in Japan uh and and right throughout Asia what what victories really stand out for you did you like winning here, you know, on your oh, own patch yeah, you like.
2: the most? Well, or? it's always nice to win anywhere, you know, because, yeah. I mean, for the amount of golf golfers play, even if you're Tiger Woods or, yeah. you know, Greg Norman at his peak or Jack Nicklaus, the greatest of all, Yeah, uh, you, you lose a lot more times than you win, you know. It's not yeah. like tennis players. But, yeah, no, I, I enjoyed winning. I mean, probably the best, I think the best win that I ever had um, from a golfing standpoint, well, there's two that stand out. For me, apart from, you know, the outside of Australia, one was uh, in Japan when I, I fortunately had Bradley, our middle son, was catting for us. The family were up there. And uh, I birdied the last four holes of the tournament hole, four monster putts I mean, mm. Well, the last one wasn't so long. You know, I sort of was four or five holes to go. It was a very tight board. Mm. I was off the thing and then I wasn't even on the board and then f- finished up by winning by a shot. There you go. Uh, from Jumbo Ozaki and a few top yeah. Japanese guys. Yeah. And the other one, probably the best golf I ever played as a tournament was uh, Malaysian Open in in 83, uh, I think. Yeah. I had a good caddy on my bag, a bloke called Steve Williams. The mm-hmm. caddy from me a bit in Asia and a little bit here. Yep. And uh, I shot four four rounds in the 60s and one of them was a fairly low one. Yeah, right. Won by about six or seven. So from I, I don't think I missed a putt that week under about eight feet. That doesn't yeah. very rarely happen, especially yeah. on Asian greens.
1: Yeah. Mm. As a, you know, a, a man of 30-odd years and, and then mm. advancing beyond that, you know, other... Things start to come into your life, your partner, yeah. you start to yeah. start a family, and all of that. How hard was it to balance? Well, that's
2: actually I probably should have and, mentioned and that life. first. Is that's one of the main reasons why I never thought about because mm. I mean, you know, I was I was married married at twenty one, had yep. our first child at twenty three, yeah, the second one three years later at twenty six, and then Mark, the youngest one, was uh, when I was just before I turned pro. In right. fact, he was the only one born that I was when he was born. Uh, that I was a pro because he hmm. was born in May and I was, played my first event in January of that year. Yeah. So that was always, you know, one of the main reasons because yeah. I wasn't, you know, but i was very fortunate because I had a my wife. Julie was, um, very understanding and I don't think there's never been a time when she said you shouldn't go and you shouldn't do this. She's always yeah. been uh complete strength for me as all, yeah. as all my friends, uh, often remind me <laughs> <laughs> did she ever go with you oh yeah she did yeah yeah, yeah. Her, her mum and dad in would come up and uh from they were farming from down katanning Way. they'd often stay there and 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 my parents were still obviously alive yeah you know for a week or two so but then later on uh they would come up in school holidays so i might go for two weeks Mm. and then they'd come up for two and I could stay on. But other than that, I never stayed more than two or three weeks. I'd sort yeah. of go. So I, made, I did a lot of travelling. Yeah, I bet. The, most, a lot of the money I earned went out the back of the plane. So.
1: <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, I bet. I mean, it's a, it's a, an expensive existence, isn't it? It is. You're touring it the is. world, playing yeah, golf, and yeah, so much riding on you, mm. winning, You know, mm. making the most of the, the yeah. four days that you're assuming you make the cut, yeah, that you're playing right. a tournament, yeah. um, you know, you've got to pay your way for the next leg of the tour, don't you?
2: Well, that's right. It, yeah. it, it is hard. But I, I always, you know, seeing I, you know, family was, to me, uh, and always family was first and then, then uh, after I'd sort of fit the golf in around it. So, yeah, yeah. Um, you know, Wayne Grady always said used to say to me, why don't you go to America? You know, it would be perfect for you over there. But to go to America from here, it was just so. It was easy to go up and down to Japan. Yeah. and. Uh, I was fortunate. Uh, Graham Marsh encouraged me to, to go to uh, play in, in, uh, the, on the Asian cir- circuit. And I didn't go for a couple of years because Mark was, our youngest one was, you know, they were all small and he was just a baby. Uh, and then he organised a deal with Cathay Pacific. He said, look, I can get you, because he, he was associated with them. He said, they'll fly you up there. And Anyway, to cut a long story short, I was lucky enough to win the Singapore Open at my second start. And that was an entree to play in Japan. So that's how yeah. I got to play in Japan. Yeah. Because you can only play in 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 Japan then by invitation. They were very uh, pretty tight, pretty mm. fussy who they let in there. Yeah.
1: Mm. And the and the kids. What age did you shove a golf club in their hands? Uh Or did, they didn't take it. No, no, they
2: they they're all they all they four much better players than me now so that's how it, <laughs> I and bet and worse you than, and worse than that I got grandkids on a lower handicap so <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah I know when whenever they went they were pretty young yeah yeah, yeah they, were, they yeah. were quite young mark, mark was about three there's a photo of him uh, with me but I mean we did I didn't make him hmm. play but he was just he just wanted to play
1: uh, having uh, spent so much of your time and your energy uh, in a team sport environment how did you go? playing golf because it's all down to you ultimately you can have you know your caddy there and coaches and family but it ultimately it's it's just
2: you out there isn't it yeah yeah it is and I think I always think from the games that I played it is the hardest game of all probably more mentally because you know in football tennis cricket most hockey I mean you do something because of someone else Mm. so you know you react to something but in golf it's the ball can sit on the ground there for all day till you actually physically move and hit it, mm. and no one else can do it for you. So, yeah, yeah, it can be, you know, it can be mentally, especially if you're not playing so well. You sort of think this and think that. But uh, yeah, I, I was, you know, I mean, I I wouldn't probably be much good these days because it's all so complicated. You know, they've got <laughs> video cameras and track trackmans, God knows what. You know,
1: maybe maybe you there's know. something to be said for not having any yeah. of that and well, overanalyzing everything.
2: There was a guy called uh, Mac O'Grady. who was a bit of a, you know, he played left and right. An American guy. Yeah. And he said it doesn't matter what you say if the club face, club face isn't square at impact, it won't go straight. <laughs>
1: <laughs> having said, it sounds like you know you, in hindsight, might have preferred to pursue cricket as a youngster. But having said that, you've stayed with golf, haven't you, oh, well yeah, into yeah. your, yeah. Uh, you know, you through your thirties, forties, fifties, sixties. What's it like on the on the senior circuit?
2: Oh no, it's good. I mean, you is it a, is it a it, little bit more fun? Yeah, it is. It's not quite so tight, you know, as as, as the main one. Uh, yeah, there's more. You catch up with a few guys you played against over the years, and uh, and and you meet a lot of others because there's a lot of guys out there who you know don't turn pro till they're fifty. Mm. Uh, you know, they go to the school because they've done well, and or they're frustrated professionals and never, you know, never actually mm. decided to turn. But yeah, it's it's a little bit more relaxing, but it's still pretty it's still pretty competitive.
1: Yeah. yeah. What's it like yeah. out on the the course? Is there a bit of banter with the other golfers or do you pretty much just um waltz around and do your own thing?
2: There's probably more banter in the seniors than mm. there is in the other. There's not much said on the you know. I is mean it, is if it you're pilot, playing with a good it, mate, does it know. get a bit No, clear. no, no. There's not it's not sort of it's not that sort of banter, you know. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Doesn't uh it's not Come on, you're not you're not you're not, <laughs> you're not dropping your club in the bag as a bloke's coming on his backswing and all that stuff.
1: Yeah.
2: Or if you do, you better say sorry.
1: <laughs> um, as the kids got older, though, did you find that uh, you know they naturally become a bit more self-sufficient? Was it easier for you to nip away and play tournaments? Oh as, yeah, it was. Well, the senior, well circuit?
2: senior circuit was perfect because yeah. you know they were all you know they were married and or at uni or whatever. and, and the good thing was Julie, my wife, could travel with me, you mm. know, and for the majority of the time. Yeah. You know. So that was that was, and and it was enjoyable because the senior there wasn't as many tournaments. So you might have two or three, and then you'd have a week off or two weeks off. So we we did a bit of touring around Europe and yeah. stuff like that, which Fantastic. was which was nice. Favorite places to go to? Well, probably I, I went to this place. 14 consecutive years and played a ba- place called Bad Regats in Switzerland. And we became very friendly with some lovely people there. And it's just so, you know, to play, it wasn't the greatest mm. golf course, but. Stunning. Uh, yeah, it was, it was just stunning to look at. Yeah. So. But there's lots of good places, but that was one of them. Probably yeah. if I had to pick one, that'd be it. Favourite links course, Royal Port Rush, I think, in, uh, where they played the British Open two years ago. Yep. Mm. Okay. Toughest course? Oh. Any <laughs> There's lots Any of tough ones. Down. They're all tough now. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah. Yeah. Well, I think those Lynx courses, when it blows, there is. I mean, they're. You know, yeah. Royal St George's. I remember playing down there with a the wind, in a British Open, and and that was you know very Brutal. hard. But I wouldn't say it's tougher than mm. Muirfield or Turnberry. You know.
1: Yeah. Um, yeah. Yeah. All right. We need to take another break. After that, uh, I want to ask you about designing mm. golf courses because you're effectively there. You know, in a position where you can just inflict absolute torture and torment on people. Yeah, Yeah. (laughs)
2: okay.
1: We need to take a break though, Terry. We'll be back with more of this inspiring story in just a moment.
0: You're listening to another inspiring story brought to you by Barra and O'Day. Because the little things are everything. This is Inspiring Stories with Tim McMillan on 882 6 br Brought to you by Barra and O'Day. Because the little things are everything.
1: Welcome back to Inspiring Stories. Tim McMillan is my name. My special guest is golfer Terry Gale. Uh, Terry, we've touched a little bit on how solitary it can be as a sport, uh, but you have got your caddy there mm. with you as well. Yeah. You must have formed some pretty special bonds with some of your
2: caddies. Yeah, well, I have, particularly with family, of course. But uh, in Japan, when I first went there, you, you couldn't uh, – you weren't allowed to have a caddy. You had to take the house caddy. But that's all changed now. But uh, And it would have been an expensive exercise. Yep. But most of my golf, amateur golf, in Europe, sort of not, not having caddy. So it never bothered me that much. I didn't – I wasn't super reliant on a caddy. But the more you played uh, and the more competitive it sort of got, well, you, mm. you, you know, a good caddy is always good to have. So – I was fortunate that my elder son Stuart he caddied for me when he was about 6 or 7 and he caddied you know in co- tournaments at Capel and Bunbury and Geraldton and at the age of 6 6 or 7 yeah he started <laughs> yeah, yeah. Right. and then and then Bradley the middle son he caddied for me uh, Well, I mentioned he he was caddying for me in Japan when I won that yeah, the last four but he's caddied in a few Mark yeah. did but but being uh being the youngest and me getting older he didn't he didn't caddy quite as much as the others, yeah,
1: yeah, and then of course um, he drifted off and yeah, played and footy for the dockers for a while, and
2: yeah he did yeah, yeah. but yeah, well he was you know you I sort of often think we're talking about cricket and football and that because mark was uh, you know he was he had to say make same decisions, yeah, yeah because he, he was actually in the unders was he a good night, caddy man uh, yeah well, he was all right, yeah, oh, yeah. no, he was good, they are all good caddies what makes a good caddy? Um, probably saying the right thing at the, <laughs> at the right time. <laughs> <laughs> like your, your yeah. counsellor. Well, I, I, <laughs> I, tell you, I did have, I was fortunate enough to have Steve Williams. I had him yeah. on my bag for a few for two or three years yeah. when, when Greg Norman wasn't playing. And uh, he would leave you in no doubt. But he was bold enough to sort of say, no, it's, you know, I was like, well, give you a yardage. Yeah. It's five or six iron. And he'd say, well, it's not a six iron. and he'd, yeah. Yeah, It's definitely a five iron because you've got to carry that in front. There's no trouble at the back. So when most bu- most bad golf shots, Tim, come from, um, you know, you're not committed to the shot. So when you stood over it after you discussed anything with Steve, and it might only happen two or three times in a round, you always thought, well, yeah, he's right. I've got the right club. Yeah. Rather than sort of think, well, do I back off this five iron or do I hit the six iron harder, yeah. you
1: know? I'll remember that you know. next time I <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> spray my tee shot I'll in all, all right directions. directions. Yeah, that's right. I wasn't committed to it. Yeah tell me how you got into golf course design. I mean, it's one thing to play a lot of golf, but mm. then to actually sit down and map out a new course. That's a, that's a, a different skill yeah. set.
2: Well, I, I, I'm not really into it on that basis. It's just more, you know, just alterations to existing courses. Mm. It, it, how it happened was at Royal Perth and Peter Thompson, the great, yeah. arguably our greatest ever player, five British Opens. He, he used to do it with a guy called Woolston. I was Thompson, Wolveridge, and then Perrett. Uh, and he used to do Cottesloe, Royal Perth, and Lake up was the Germany's crown. Uh, but he he decided that it was you know there wasn't much more to do. It was on 70 acres of land, you couldn't do much. And he said, well, you're sort of not much point. So the then president uh, of the club or captain asked, said, well, would I just keep an eye on it? And that started 32 years ago. Mm. So that's how it sort of started. Mm. And then. But my, my, I haven't actually designed a golf course. I've just at Lakelands where I've been. And the last time I was sitting in here being interviewed, it was about that. Yep. Uh, I've done nine holes at Collier and, I've you know, a few, uh, the nine hole course down at I just, just small things. So I'm yep. not really, I'm not really what the, the superstar of golf would say. I'm a golf designer, but yeah, I just try to use my knowledge and experience of over the years to, yeah. You know, and, and it's worked out well. I've had a good association at Lake Lands and yep. and that's just about well. It is finished now. Uh,
1: it's just one of those sports or hobbies, passions yeah. that people do get very yeah. serious about, don't they? Yeah. Uh, a lot of um, <laughs> a lot of people, <laughs> you know, they work during the week and then they look forward to their golf a lot on the weekend. And if someone's moved a bunker, uh, well, it can it can be enough to make them flip. Yeah. Have, you, have you had any kind of encounters
2: with people oh, who yeah. yeah, strongly you...
1: objected to your
2: <laughs> You, moves. you're never short on opinions. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> but uh, yeah, no, the, most of them are pretty good. But yeah, there's always someone that think thinks it shouldn't be there. But so well, I've got to make the decision. You know, you look. I think that one of the great inventions in sport, and I have said this before, is the handicap system. Yeah, you know, and that that allows you know, I don't know how you play. All right, but you can you can that go way. out and have a you know, or you can play with a kid or an older one. The handicap system is a great even. Yeah. You know, Yeah, divide really.
1: Yeah. Um, as I mentioned at the very start of this chat, you're being inducted uh, into the 2020 uh, group, the WA Hall of Champions. What does that mean to
2: you? Oh, well, it's a, it's a lovely honour to have when you look at the, mm. the names of the people that are, that are in it. I mean, I didn't think it would ever happen because, you mm. know, there's not... Uh, I'm not saying that there should be more, but there's only two golfers in it, yeah. Brian Marsh and Maxine Bishop. So. Yeah. You know, and uh, so it's – I think golf's harder to judge because people sort of, you know, you can – AFL and, and cricket and that are easier to make judgments on. So, mm. yeah, no, look, it, it's a nice honour to have and something, I, as I said, I didn't expect. Yep. And uh, it'll be a nice night. I mean, you'll be there with a lot of the, the, you know, the superstars that I've sort of grown up with or, you know, looked up to when I was a young boy.
1: Yeah, well – here we are telling your inspiring story. Who were the people that actually inspired you, Terry?
2: Well, my father was the greatest influence with it because I used to kick the football to him back and forth. I mean, it had to be a straight kick because if, if I didn't land it on, you know, so where he can mark it, I had to go and get it. Yeah. And uh, and he, said, he taught rules, me how to play yeah. golf. So, uh, yeah, so he, he, he was probably the biggest influence as far as my on my sport was concerned yep. but as a kid growing up I went on the farm on boxing day uh, every, you'd lie in the passageway to, where there was a bit of cool breeze there was no air conditioning or anything listened to the big radio there to listen to the Davis Cup and uh, I thought it was just a match between Australia and America because the USA because they played mm. and my, one of my favourite growing up and when I'd hit against the wall out the engine room wall outside I was Lou Hode so yeah right and I sort of looked up to him a lot yeah, yeah. But, I, never, I didn't actually meet him, but I did meet his wife once.
1: Mm, very good. Uh, Terry, again, congratulations on being inducted uh, into the WA Hall of Champions. Thank you. Uh, very I hope much. you have a great night and yeah. you'll be in, uh, in great company in that list, that's for sure. Yeah. And uh, thank you so much for coming in Pleasure. and sharing your stories. Much appreciated. Thanks very much. Uh, you've been listening to Inspiring Stories here on 882 6BR. Don't miss out on the little moments because the little things are everything. We look forward to you joining us again next time as we unearth another WA
0: inspiring story. You're listening to another inspiring story brought to you by Barra and O'Day because the little things are everything.